Welcome to the Insecurity Project Podcast. Most people think the best you can do with insecurity is mask it, manage it, or medicate. I'm convinced this is a problem that can be solved for good, and that's what this show is all about. Join me for weekly 10-minute Tuesday episodes, live coaching demonstrations, and world-class interviews on the subject of overcoming insecurity. Now on to today's show. Well, hello again, folks. You're on the Insecurity Project podcast. Today, my guest and my special guest is Joanne Schonheim, the author of the soon-to-be-released The Secret Sisterhood of Miserable Mothers, a fascinating title and can't wait to unpack what that book's about and how that relates to insecurity shortly. Uh, But just so you know uh, why you are listening to Joanne, Joe, if if, uh, you you and I know each other by that name. So um, Joe and I have had a, a long history back to when I did my business accelerator you were a key part of that journey for me watching me grow then I've had the opportunity of serving you watching you grow um, I remember uh, at the ambassadors retreat sitting across the table from you and kind of first um, getting a conversation with you and you the level of conversation I had with you that night was extraordinary there were some things that you said to me that I've never forgotten there was there were some ways that you understood me and helped me understand myself that was such a pure gift. And I knew then that you are a remarkable human being and uh, it's been so exciting getting to know you and watching you grow. And I, I'm just stoked to see this book, which has been inside you for some time, <laughs> finally coming out. And we've talked about doing a podcast recording for some time now. And it's a great day that we're finally here recording this because I'm sure there are lots of lots of people and, and lots of mothers in particular who will, partic- who will benefit from this conversation. So thanks so much for being on the show and, and welcome. Thanks so much, Damon. It's an absolute pleasure and privilege to be here. So to tell us about this book, The Secret Sisterhood of Miserable Mothers. That's an interesting title and I'm sure <laughs> there's, there's lots that, that, that sentence, that phrase um, talks about. So tell, tell us about it. Cool. Um, I think the most important part of that title, and I've put a lot of thought into it, into each one of those words, um, one of the key things is the word secret. Um, I think there's a lot of implied shame around women who struggle with the concept of motherhood. And, and it's also very, I want to make it very, very clear that I'm not talking about women that don't love their children. I'm not talking about women who necessarily um, hate being a mother, but it's the concept of motherhood that they've really struggled with um, for a number of different reasons. Um, so I want to be able to, to lift back the veil and, and talk about that shame. I think that shame creates uh, an enormous amount of unnecessary suffering. Um, the word sisterhood also implies, uh, my intention is to imply that those people who feel that way are not alone, that there's actually a universal universal camaraderie around that. Um, and that's, you know, if they do feel that way for whatever reason, it doesn't mean that they're narcissists or sociopaths or unloving um, mothers, um, that there are other people out there that feel the same. Um, and, you know, even in terms of the concept of miserable mothers, again, nothing to do with how much you love your children. It's about the, the unnecessary suffering that the concept of modern motherhood um, can elicit in women as they share a, a disproportionate amount of the, the load of, of caregiving, um, of working, you know, paid or unpaid, in or out of the house. Um, and so I want to 
um, specifically talk to that to that shame um, that a lot of women do face and for them to feel like that, that they're not alone. Yeah, amazing. So, so let's start with the idea of shame because it's, it's a thing that eats people alive, mm -hmm. uh, lots of suffering in shame. So, so from your understanding about this, where specifically do, do mothers feel most shame, do you think? I think a lot of women feel shame when they compare themselves to how other mothers seem to be experiencing motherhood and also this concept that they're supposed to love every minute and they're supposed to feel like they were born to do it and they feel that they've reached their life's purpose and potential and um, they, you know, this is my favorite line. Oh, you know, being a mother is the hardest job of all, but I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. It's the most rewarding job. Uh, yeah, there's obviously a huge kernel of truth in that. But again, it's, it's, I feel that people aren't able to speak their truth and, and aren't able to speak the uncomfortable truth that for a lot of the time being a motherhood absolute being a mother absolutely sucks um and is beyond grueling and exhausting and difficult and people feel the need to then say what they feel and then finish with a but i love my children and all the difficult moments you know when i see the little faces light up at the end of the day it makes it all worth it and it's that concept of when you hear the word but you can basically take whatever came before the word but and just erase it because um, what comes after is a way of just negating and washing that all away where I think that women don't feel that they have permission to just sit in the discomfort and talk about the discomfort. They always feel the need to um, compensate and reassure society or the person they're speaking to that they're not actually an evil witch. Um, and that's, carrying that that suffering and knowing that you don't have the psychological safety to actually just express it as it is carries I think is it creates a huge burden of shame because women feel like it's not safe to to say it um and that then creates the cycle of shame um and we'll talk about it I'm sure a little bit later and all the different ways that women will um self-medicate in order to overcome that shame because as you said it's insidious and it eats you from the inside out yeah sure so the the key piece being you know if people really knew what's going on inside my mind right now they they'd understand that there's something really wrong with me i should be doing better at this i should have a different experience if i was a real mother or a good mother then i wouldn't be having this experience but i am and i can't talk about it because it's not right so then I have Why to. Why aren't I enjoying it like I'm supposed yeah, to? Exactly. And so then the insecurity surfaces because it's like this must be about me. This has to be an indication of me failing or not being good enough or not, not de deserving uh, this role or I've, I've already ruined it in some way, shape, or form. Um, so, you know, so obviously for you to be writing this book, there was, there's, been areas of shame for you in this experience are you able to, to share some of your journey in how this has impacted your world and how you've navigated it and found your way through it uh sure and and i have thought a lot about this and especially in, in going through the process of writing this book about how and this is what's so fascinating and um i don't think we we give enough weight or credit to this but if you think about what happens 
with a woman during her life in terms of the roles that she plays in society and the way that society views her and the way she views herself, the moment her child is born, in that instant, she's now a mother. And to have such a life-altering role be thrown upon you in literally an instant is insane it's like it's like a kid who doesn't know how to swim who doesn't even know how to blow bubbles or to float is now literally chucked in the deep end and expected to to swim butterfly Mm. um and there's there's so little tolerance for um the training period in terms and the adjustment period of 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 what that means um So when I had my first child 12 and a half years ago, I was running a business. I was the breadwinner of the family. Um, I ended up having an elective C-section, which just just from that, from from day dot in terms of me making that informed choice and the stigma and, and the shame that society tried to throw on me for that choice. Um, and then struggling with breastfeeding. Again, a whole nother can of worms. And I'm trying to run my business. I don't have maternity leave. Um, within six weeks of giving birth, I was running a trade show um, and was on my feet for a week. And so also after recovering from a C-section and literally um, said to my mom when my daughter was born, here's your granddaughter. <laughs> um, enjoy. Cause she had to be a huge part of, of helping me in the caregiving. Um, and my partner at the time was incredibly supportive, but you know, there's only so much that he can participate um, in and five months um, down the track diagnosed with postnatal depression never suffered with mental health issues in my life until then. Um, And second child, three and a half years later, again, no maternity leave, still running a business, but, you know, with a a first child and um, trying to socialize in mother's groups and and, um, people saying to me, oh, do you work by choice or do you work because you financially have to? And I like, really resented that question because it's like, well, actually, I'm a human being with, with lots to offer and I don't feel like my brain rotting on the vine. Um, so, yeah, my journey through motherhood has been um, incredibly tumultuous. It's made me have serious questions about my identity and how I define myself, what my value is, what my worth is, how society views me. Um, it just has impacted on, on every level, my relationship with my body, my relationship with my sexuality, my relationship with my partner, um, how I juggle, you know, my career and being a good mother. Um, yeah, just in, in absolutely every, every aspect, it's like thrown in the washing machine and (laughs) you come out and you're like all misshapen Mm. and you just know that, uh, you'll never go back to being the way that you were prior to having kids. Um, thanks for sharing. I'm just going to pick up on one item you raised there, that something we were talking about um, prior to this call, planning for this conversation. We talked about sexuality. Um, you had some really interesting insights around the difference in that season, the moment you get the mother label and how it impacts your view of sexuality and others' view of you as mm-hmm. a sexual being. Um, can, you, can you share some insights around that? I think that would be very useful. Uh, sure. So, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, it starts with, you know, um, 
the moment you hit puberty and and um yeah even even earlier than that to be honest which is so wrong on so many levels but it's it, it, it's a it's a global truth um in terms of being objectified sexually um I guess the moment that you start to sexually mature in terms of puberty that's when you become um aware of it and in your early 20s you know you're you're out and you're dating and, and you've, you know, potentially have multiple partners um, and you're very much objectified in society as a sexual being and you get hit on a lot and catcalled and sexually harassed and not that that stuff necessarily ever actually goes away. But um, for me personally, it was definitely heightened in my 20s. Um, then, you know, you may go on to, to get married. So you, you get engaged and that then becomes a, a, another shift in your identity of the fact that you're now seen as taken or you feel um, in, in your own sense of identity that you're now taken, that you're now lovable enough that someone chose you as, as their person. Um, and even that from an insecurity perspective of feeling that validation that I think a lot of women get of, um, maybe this will make me feel like I'm enough, um, that, that I was lovable enough that someone chose me to spend the rest of their life with me. And then you may go on to choose to have children. Um, and again, the moment you become pregnant and that starts to become visible, it's like you're taken off the shelf in terms of, um, yeah, of people's sexual ownership over you or thinking that they have access to that. Um, and again, that's another shift in your identity. And then, you know, you're pregnant, you've got this massive belly and it's very much you're now in the space of being a mother. And again, your, your identity shifts and then you have that baby and, you know, you're walking through the streets, pushing a, a you know, a stroller or your baby strapped to your chest. And again, like your identity is completely um, changed and, and that sexual part is largely removed and and that can be really disconcerting and disorienting because essentially you are still the same person inside um and you don't receive necessarily as much attention um from the outside as you did and that can be a little bit disorienting because you've also got a different relationship with your body it's changed it's it's given birth to this human being it doesn't look the way that it did before um and so all these different stages that impact a woman, whereas when a man decides to propose to, to, to their partner and gets married and they fall pregnant and they have a baby, to the outside world, he largely looks exactly the same. And people wouldn't have a clue what stage of life he's in in terms of his relationship um, and how he feels about his sexuality isn't necessarily different. Not that I can actually speak for, for men as I'm clearly not one, um, but it, for me, it really does seem starkly different in terms of how that affects and impacts women as versus how it does men. And then also the short space of time that that happens in. Um, and then, you know, once you've got older children and you start becoming, you know, perimenopausal and menopausal again, you know, I assume there's a whole other shift that happens uh, in that stage as well. Yeah, so fascinating for you to spell it out like that. And uh, and for those stages to kind of happen externally, so many so, so many of them are controlled. So visible. <laughs> yeah, that they are so visible and you're not really choosing to go through those changes. Mm. They're just, they're just happening around you. Um, so, 
you know, clearly the the coaching framework would talk about the illusion of no choice and stepping out of giving power away to culture or external things and and the responsibility of the individual to choose their own way through that. So what's the what's the hope for for women and mothers? What's the what's the plan to go, yeah, cool, there's going to be a bunch of really interesting challenges that you're going to notice or not notice until you've gone through them. Uh, and this is going to affect you in a whole bunch of really interesting and painful ways. So what are they to do? Um, I think for, for me personally, what I've learned is to become really aware of validation um, and where I was drawing that validation from. And that also obviously all ties into the concept of insecurity. And I think when you're a young girl or a young woman and you get all this attention and most of the time unsolicited attention from men um you your ego can end up really thriving on a lot of that the the stuff that's wanted um because you're seen as it makes you feel desirable um and, and that boosts your ego and when that starts to to fade away um if you don't have a really strong internal scaffolding I call it in terms of the way that you that you have the ability to self-reference and still feel attractive and still feel sexy and still feel connected to your sexual being that can end up being you can end up with you know very very little and feeling deeply insecure because your whole strategy until then had been to reference that externally and if the way that the external world now views you is different and and is giving you different or very or far less feedback um, validating that, then you can end up feeling um, really lost and um, and deeply insecure. And what I would strongly encourage women to do is to have a look at how they reference their sense of self-esteem and their self-worth and their attractiveness. Are you re- are you externally um, referencing that and resourcing from there, or are you able to feel that way about yourself? Um, and once you're able to realize that perhaps you have been outsourcing the heavy lifting of that to others and especially men, and you start building that internal scaffolding yourself, you can take back your, your sexual power and reconnect with your sexual identity um, and feel great in your skin and feel great in your body and, and realize that, well, just because you're a mother doesn't mean that you, you stopped living and you stopped being a sexual being. Um, so yeah, I would look at where you're referencing that and have a look at the quality of your internal scaffolding. Yeah, that's really interesting and, and very useful. Do you think sometimes the challenge is, you know, so if a woman's getting all their validation of being a sexual being, being desired, being attractive, and then the the physicality changes, the season changes, do you think sometimes a mother then looks for validation then from their children to go, okay, now it's these kids that are there to give me a validation and approval and I'm going to seek their connection their love, um, their closeness to feel like I matter and I'm a good person. Absolutely. So they're swapping out from from a strategy that doesn't serve them nearly as well as it used to in the previous season to one that they have far more control over because the mm. children obviously need them. They're, you know, <laughs> uh, captive, <laughs> captive audience. <laughs> um, and I find that to be a really dangerous strategy. And I think that's one of the things that I really struggle with in motherhood was I could see that trap of women connecting their, their 
oh, now I've discovered my life's purpose. It's to be the mother to the children. And I don't mind making all of these sacrifices because it's worth it. And that was what I was put on earth to do. And for me that I, I always live by the mantra of you're not having a baby. You're actually having a bald 40 year old because, <laughs> <laughs> because, it, well, if they're, if they're a boy that, you know, potentially yeah, there could be a bald 40 sure. year old, but um, my joke implies that mm. the idea that you're having a baby is nonsense. Mm. That you're having a baby for the blink of an eye. Mm. Wow. And, and then they grow up and they become that, you know, they replace you and they'll become a grandparent one day. You are not having a baby. So attaching yourself to that strategy, thinking that that's your life's work is to me foolhardly because that's a really short-term strategy and again you're externalizing it you're not building that scaffolding and of course your children are going to love you and need you they're biologically wired for connection with you because they need you for sustenance and safety and shelter like it's like the concept of saying to someone tell me that you love me they can tell you that mm. but the fact that they were forced to does it really have yeah the worth that, that you think it's and make you feel good inside. And I'm not saying that children don't love their parents or, you know, their mothers. That's not what I'm saying at all. Um, but I think that, and for me, I define myself as my, my identity as a mother is just one of like eight or 10 different ways that I identify myself. And it's certainly not number one. Does it take the most of my time and my resources? Absolutely. Mm. But I don't give it the, that same weight just because it consumes my resources and my time. Yes, it's incredibly important. Yes, it's the most important responsibility that I have. But I am not willing for it to be the overarching definition of who I am and why I was put on this earth. Yeah, amazing. Um talking to this word miserable in your book title i'd imagine if if a woman does solely tie her validation to her role as a mother and at the same time feels feels like she's not actually doing particularly well at that not measuring mm -hmm. up to the standards that she assumes she should be mm -hmm. there'd be a, a high level of being miserable in that experience oh absolutely and you know i think it shows up in, in no more of an apparent way than the jokes that you hear about day drinking. About day no, drinking? About day drinking. I have a, a mug that a good friend of mine bought for my birthday a couple of years ago, and it says, this could be wine. <laughs> it's a coffee cup. <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, and, and women will joke of, you know, 10 a.m., 11 a.m. after they've dropped the kids off. Is it too early to start drinking? Mm. And that's become like the social socially acceptable way of commiserating mm. the misery of motherhood because again they 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 can't freely and without judgment judgment of themselves regardless of what society thinks judgment of themselves and again that's where the shame um, comes in of the fact that it is absolutely brutal and grueling and relentless and most of the time completely um, unrewarding and women, I think, feel shortchanged by the role that they have and the disproportionate responsibility that they have. It takes two people to, to make a baby just because the woman is the one that carries it and then delivers it. I have no idea why on earth that she should then end up literally holding the baby and doing the lion's share of the work. If, if both um, partners have a career, 
why is it automatically assumed that it's the the man that gets to continue to go off to work mm. and the woman that's going to to do to to do the um the lion's share of the caretaking and the caregiving and i think that women are if they admit that they're miserable the very next line that will come out of the of the person's mouth will most likely be i think you should speak to someone maybe you're suffering with mental health issues maybe you're suffering with depression yeah. and my point is the, that may or may not be true and i'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist i'm not mm. here to diagnose anyone but actually maybe women aren't suffering with as many mental health issues um, as are diagnosed or, or they are fixing it at where it shows up as the symptom is not actually fixing the issue. You've got to go back upstream and find where the issue is starting in the first place. Because if, if the hard work was done at the source, which is the resentment, the shame, the disproportionate level of, of work that women are expected to do and the ridiculous standards that we set for ourselves and society sets for us of being these godly earth mothers, then maybe downstream you wouldn't have all these women being diagnosed with mental health issues hmm. yeah that's good uh tell me about the impact on on this has on kids so you know if a mother kind of just surrenders into this idea of yep i am a mother now and this is my role and i'm not good at it but you know then then the solace they take is well if i go last and put my life on hold and put everything into this then at least I'm setting my kids up. I'm pouring all my resources into them. So at least that's going to be good for them. Um, do you think it is actually good for them when a mother's miserable no. and, and in shame and <laughs> carrying all these no. labels? So two things with that. One is I think um, a lot of women wake up one day, realize that they're actually miserable um, and wasn't expecting the journey to be this way, but realized that, you know, it's their bed, they made it, now they need to lie in it, and they're literally the one left holding the baby, and they've got to make the best of the situation. So they transfer their disappointment with their unfulfilled potential that they've potentially now had to resign and put on hold or just bury forever, and then pour that ambition and aspiration into their children of I'm doing all of this so that they can have a great life and they can live their best life and they can go and become astronauts and, and uh, be women in STEM and be high achieving and all the rest of it. So I think there's a transference of ambition from um, themselves onto their children, which I think is deeply unfair, deeply unfair on the kids and on, on the mother as well, because she shouldn't have to bury her ambition. Um, and the second part is, um, oh, give me one second. Remind me. What <laughs> well, just talking about, is this actually good for the kids? Yeah, good for the kids. Thank you of being a miserable mother. Um, and when women are um, carrying around this incredibly heavy burden of, of shame and resentment, it shows up in emotions like anger and then you could end up being an angry mom that's constantly like yelling at their kid and frustrated with them and trying to micromanaging them micromanage them and control them as a way of expressing the fact that they feel so out of control of their lives and and lose the ability to emotionally regulate like an adult like they should be able to um and so i have no idea why uh, uh, you know i, I want to be a mother i don't want to be a martyr like if, if, if you've ever grown up um, or been under the stewardship of someone who shows up as a martyr, it's hell. Um, and yeah, the, the kids don't benefit from that at all. And you're also then 
literally writing them a roadmap of, you know, modeling this behavior, modeling how you show up in life, modeling how you regulate your emotions and, and whether you're just surviving versus thriving. And then chances are your kids will go off and, and propagate that too, because that's what being a mother looks like. That's how I, I grew up. <laughs> um, and it wasn't fun. Yeah, wow. It's an incredible thing to think about the, the big picture implications of living this strategy. And, uh, you know, clearly people are doing the best they know how to and people get Correct. stuck all the time because they're like, well, I don't know any other way and and then they just bunk it down. So the, the wonder of what you're doing is giving hope because you're, you're presenting an alternate choice and you, you can think about this differently. So, so tell me a bit about the hope that you see. Like, what's what is the alternate available to mothers and, and women? Cool. So, again, it's that's what's implied in the book title, the secret sisterhood. I, for me, if I can, if I can turn the lights on and I can show women a different way to view their situation and view themselves, and for them to identify and start to dismantle that shame and realize um, and identify how that shows up in resentment in their relationships with their partners, relationships with their kids, relationship with society and their identity. If I can help dissolve that shame and realize that it's actually not their cross to bear and wanting more and wanting more for themselves and realizing that you're, you know, you're here to be a mother. You're not here to be a martyr mm. just because you have a, have a kid it's a season. It doesn't mean that you stop um, existing as who you are. It doesn't mean that that needs to take over your entire identity. If you choose to preserve all the other parts of your identity and um, stay focused on what your ambition and your potential is and you invest in yourself, that does not make you an unloving or selfish mother. Even the word selfish, I think it's such a bad rap. Um, you know, the whole concept of you can't pour from an empty cup. And for women to, to realize that it's completely fine and, and, and it should actually be expected that you do take care of yourself and you don't completely abandon and betray yourself for the sake that you now have this responsibility of, of rearing ch children and that the suffering that you're carrying around is, is understandable, mm. but it's unnecessary. And mm. you can actually start to dismantle, break it down, put in place new and more productive strategies. And if you show up as a happier human, mm. you'll end up being a happier mother and you'll end up being a better mother and a better partner. So all of society will benefit yeah. from mothers being happier. Being miserable is not something that you should have to resign yourself to. It's not necessary. Yeah, I mean, similar to our very first conversation over dinner, this is just so life-giving and just the gift of you being you showing up, sharing what's inside you. Uh, it's it's a wonderful thing that you're doing and wonderful thing that you're saying. And I'm, I'm sure lots of people will benefit from this and uh, the secret sisterhood. Uh, yeah, there's there's women longing for this idea and framework that will give them the ability to be free from a bunch of unnecessary suffering so and to realize yeah. they're not alone yeah that's that's the thing that's such the trap i'm the only person who's ever felt like this thought like this struggle like this clearly it can't be not true a bad but, person yeah 
Uh, is there anything we haven't covered, anything else you'd like to add that I haven't asked you about? I could talk for days about this. <laughs> I can see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, uh, for, for those who are hearing this and it's firing off all kinds of interesting emotion and alternate thinking, um, what, do you, what do you suggest they do next if this is lighting them up? I suggest they start having some real honest conversations with themselves, maybe start with journaling um, because I think you first need to give yourself permission to feel what you feel and to just do a brain dump where there's no fear of judgment or retribution because I think once you turn the lights on and you lay it all out in front of you, just the release and the relief of um, admitting and shining a light on stuff that you've probably buried so deeply. Mm. Um, and that's why it's manifesting and showing up in all sorts of unproductive, um, unhappy ways. I think that's absolutely the first step is to identify it before you then start to dismantle it. Um, and I would suggest that you do lots of reading, start having conversations with other women and it could be not people in your in your inner circle they they you know you, you'll probably find that you'll be able to have more honest open conversations with strangers than you will people in your inner orbit because you'll feel less of judgment and I think the key thing to realize and this is something I learned from you Jamin was the fear of judgment that you have of other people's opinions of you is actually not the problem it's mm -hmm. your own fear of your own judgment of yourself, mm. that's the problem that needs to be solved. Because if you can stop judging yourself for feeling this way, that's when you can really start to make progress um, and start to move forward and stop using words like should and need, um, which again, as you taught me, is just laced in, in judgment. So mm. I would seriously invest in upping your EQ mm. and get stuck into some really great personal development work. Um, and realize that that the suffering of the shame is a choice and it's actually unnecessary and you're not doing yourself anyone or your children any favors when's this book going to be available <laughs> um i am bunkering down um over the next few months to make some serious headway um i guess the universe will show me when it's ready to be ready Mm. Um, hopefully sooner rather than later hopefully within the next 12 months mm. wonderful well thank you so much for sharing the wisdom as a sneak peek of what's available in that book and all the best writing that's uh, very meaningful work that you've put your hand to at the moment thank you so much Jamin for the opportunity and uh, if our conversation has helped just one woman around the world then uh it would have all been worth it. So thank you so much for the for the opportunity. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, we'll leave it there. You've been listening to the Insecurity Project podcast. All you need to solve any problem is the proven framework and someone skillful enough to hold you in the space until it works. If this is your year to be insecurity free, jump on the insecurityproject.com and begin your journey to become unhindered by getting a free copy of the seven essential practices for overcoming insecurity.